Let's just get this straight for a second. I'ma work, even if I don't get paid for progression. I'ma get it. Everything that I do is electric. I'ma keep it in a motion, keep it moving like kinetic. Yeah. Put this in a frame, better know I don't blame. Everything that I say, man, I seen you deflate. Let me elevate this in a prank. Have you walking on a plane? La 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 la. Both hands together, God, let me pray. Uh, I've been going right, right around. Yo, what's up, everybody? It is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, man, we got episode two of season three tonight titled New Kids on the Block. We've got Lewisburg High School baseball stars, a couple of the best athletes, a couple of the best baseball players in the country. we got a Ole Miss commit Braden Sanders and an Arkansas commit Brady Tiger joining us. So help me welcome onto the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, Lewisburg High School baseball stars Braden Sanders and Brady Tiger. Hey, Braden, Brady, gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are we doing tonight? Doing good. Doing awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. So, Braden, you know, we need to – you and I, we got to chat, you know, because we've had Brady on the show. People know about him, got a little backstory, but we don't really know much about you. So, uh, talk to me. Where are you from? Uh, from Olive Branch, Mississippi. Olive Branch. So, I, I, I've asked a bunch of people from Mississippi because we've had a lot of guests and, and – They've been in the Mid-South, and a lot are from that Mississippi area. Is Olive Branch a big city, a little city, a town? Like, how would you describe Olive Branch? Uh, I'd probably describe Olive Branch as just a place people drive through, honestly, probably. But uh, it's not really that big of a city, not really a small city, but it uh, nothing close to what South Haven is or – places like that or Memphis or something like that. But uh, yeah. I love it here, though. I'll tell you what, everyone throws out South Haven as as the biggest city in, in Mississippi. I, I don't know if that's just just what's close or where you guys go to do your grocery shopping and your, your clothes <laughs> shopping. I don't know. But it seems like like South Haven is the most happening place in Mississippi. But have you have you always lived in Olive Branch? Uh, pretty much my whole life. Uh, I have, I grew up, I guess I was born in South Haven, went to school in a South Haven area for till third grade, but made the switch over to Lewisburg in fourth grade. But pretty much I've grew, grown up here in Olive Branch. Yeah. Any brothers, sisters, you live with mom and dad? Uh, I got a little brother, uh, and I live with my mom and my dad. I gotcha. So growing up, who were some of your influences as far as playing sports or, or, or baseball? Uh, probably my biggest influence probably got to be my dad because he coached me from the time I could pick up a bat to when he just couldn't coach me anymore. But uh, he'd probably – I'd probably have to say he's my biggest influence for sure. Did he, did he play ball growing up? He did. He went to uh, Independence High School and played ball there. Nice. So was he your actual – the coach of your team or was he just you guys just practice all the time while you're at home and went up to the field whenever you had some free time uh pretty much both uh 
whenever we could, we, you know, he was like my, uh, my own pitching machine. Like he'd go out in the backyard and we, you know, hit till he physically could not pick up a baseball the next day. But uh, he, he definitely, he's coached me. I think he stopped coaching me when I was 13 years old, but ever since then he, uh, he was my coach. He was the person I looked up to the person I'd always go to if I was in a slump. What do I need to do? How do I fix this? How do I fix that? So what's that transition like knowing that your your dad's your coach and he's your go-to to now dad's <laughs> on the sideline and he's the spectator? Like, how, how is there like a little bit of like fear or is there some excitement that now you get some some coaching from someone else? Like what's what's the emotion like when when you make that transition? Uh. I will say the first year he didn't coach me, it was a little – didn't feel right, didn't feel like, you know, this is not like the usual baseball I'm used to playing with not having my dad on the same field as I'm playing. But um, now, I mean, he's still like another coach to me. He'll he'll come up to me after the game and tell me what I did wrong, tell me what I did right, and uh, tell me how to fix this, how to fix that. So it's, uh, it's good. It's great having a dad like that that can – you know, tell me what I did right, but also tell me what I did wrong and how we can fix it for the next game. So what's the – you said you had a little brother. What's the age difference between you guys? Uh, I'm 13 – or he's 13. I'm 18, so five years. So what's what's that like growing up? Because you're almost at a point where, like, now it's a little bit different. You can start, you know, uh, playing and practicing and throwing and catching and, and and doing a lot of different things. But I'm sure as, as you're progressing, and I'm assuming that, you know, as a kid, you play coach's pitch or T-ball, and then you realize that you're better than the rest of the kids. So then you start playing travel ball. But, you know, with your brother being five years behind you, like you're starting to transition to a different level of, of, of playing and he's just kind of growing up. So was was that relationship there as far as being an athlete and being able to practice and get better with your brother? Or is that something that later came to fruition as, as you were older and he got older? Uh, me and my little brother, uh, you know, I've tried, <clears throat> I, I do try to, you know, coach him as he, as he does grow up. Cause uh, I went through the same thing, you know, the whole, travel ball and going this and going there and playing this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've always had that relationship where I, he'll, he'll come to me or I'll go to him and I'll tell him, you know, not to worry about this or what to do because uh, he's at the age now where he's about to start going to showcases. And that's a big part of, you know, a, a baseball player's life is going to showcases and get seen by college coaches. But uh, so I'll definitely keep – you know, coaching him and trying to help him as much as I can. Even when I am at Ole Miss, I'll be calling as much as I can to help him out. So what is, what is it like knowing that now, like, I think it's kind of, it's kind of fascinating that you spend all this time getting all this coaching from your dad and now you're getting ready to transition to get some high level coaching at, at an SEC school. But like you get to return that favor to your brother, like, like what does that mean to you being able to to learn that that from your dad, but now give it back to your little brother? Oh, it it means the world. It means uh, 
I know my dad's going to want to, uh, you know, coach him like he coached me. But at the same time, if it's like a special feeling to me that I'll be able to also help him because, you know, I'll be at Ole Miss. I'll be getting knowledge from, you know, as you said, high-level coaches, and I'll be able to pass that on to him, hoping that, you know, he'll buy into it uh, at a younger age than I really did. But uh, and hopefully it'll help him be, you know, a great ball player, better than me, go wherever the heck he wants to go. But uh, it's just a special feeling that, you know, I'll be able to do that with my little brother. And that's awesome. I I want to I want to turn turn the the conversation more on to you. I, I'm glad you, you gave some insight to your brother, because, I mean, that's something that like. I didn't have any brothers growing up. So like, it's kind of interesting to see how that works, but it's also interesting for the guys that we bring on and the, and the, the girls that we bring on to like, you know, there, there's more to just being an athlete than just playing the game. It's giving back and being able to teach and coach and, and, you know, inspire others. So I, I commend you for doing that, especially, you know, with your brother. Cause I'm sure at times, like you, you want to like punch the little guy. Cause I say little guy, he's probably bigger than I am, but like, like I, I know how that sibling rivalry works, but talk to me as, as you're growing up, as you're progressing in baseball, are you playing for travel teams as a kid growing up or was it, you know, you just kind of found your way and boom, you're in high school at Lewisburg and then all of a sudden you, you're getting noticed and now you're on this, this level to, to, and trajectory to be a college player. Uh. Uh, growing up, I played on a lot of travel ball teams. Me and Brady played when we were nine years old, played together. Uh, and then it really just – where I, I kept going where I felt like I could get the best coaching. And uh, around 13 and 14 is when I really, like, stuck with a coach, stuck with a team as long as I could. And then when I was a freshman, I made the switch over to EBC, and that has – that switch uh, – really helped me in my recruiting, really helped me develop as a player. So uh, to answer your question, I I grew up playing on travel ball teams. That's really all I did. And I, you know, I went every weekend where I'll be going to the beach one weekend or playing at Snowden in the other weekend. So uh, I know the whole travel ball experience. So at, at what point does, does Ole Miss become like, like – on your radar is that through travel ball or is that from your time at Lewisburg? Uh, Ole Miss came on my radar when I was a sophomore my in the fall sophomore. So it was uh, with travel ball. Uh, Ed easily really, really did everything that he could to get because he knew Ole Miss was my dream school and where it's somewhere, somewhere I really wanted to go. So he spent all this time trying to, get them on my radar, get them to come and watch me. So uh, travel ball is really where Ole Miss was on my radar. So so I'm interested to know, like, Ed is your guy. Like, he's your your promoter, so to speak. Like, he, he is a coach. He owns the, the EBC. But, like, is that a conversation that you guys have? Like, hey, where do you want to school? Where, where do you want to go to school? And he – facilitates and gets the conversation going or do schools contact him and say, Hey, I'm looking for this criteria. Who do you got? Uh, really it's a, 
kind of both. Uh, you know, Ed did come to me and ask me, you know, you know, where do you see yourself playing? And and at the same time, you know, college coaches, I guess, te- will tell it will text him and ask him, you know, what kind of player do uh, does he have? Does he have this certain player? So uh, really. He, Ed did come up to me and ask me where I wanted to play, and uh, and I get and Ole Miss texted him, so it all really worked out together. So, and I have to ask is what is what is your projection for Ole Miss? Are you a position guy? Are you a pitcher? Are you both? Because I know you're you you are multi positioned at Lewisburg, but have they talked to you about where they see you? Uh, they have not – well, they have talked to me. They say they see me mostly as a pitcher, which will – I will probably be a PO in college. I am going to try, but it is – I've heard it is very difficult to be a two-way in the SEC, so most likely I'll just be a PO. So, how do you feel about – like, what's the, the – I'm sure at first you're like, dang, man, like – I really like being able to play multiple positions and play every day, but um, what, what is the true emotion like? Is it just relief that maybe you can focus on one thing and, and get really good at that? Or is it, man, I'm going to go out there and show them that I can, can play multiple positions. Uh, when my last, if, if my last AB is in high school, then yes, I will be, you know, a little bummed out that, you know, I'll never pick up a bat again. But um, at the same time, it just means that I can really, really focus on being the best pitcher I can be at Ole Miss. And as you said, I am going to – I will be that person that will go in there and try to try my butt off to try to be a two-way. But if it doesn't work out for me, then I will be just fine being a PO in the SEC, you know, just focusing as hard as I can to be the best pitcher I can be. And here's what I'm going to tell you. And it, I don't I don't know what kind of knowledge or insight that I have or what kind of validation I can give you. But just being able to step foot on a field that says SEC on it, regardless of whether you play a position or not, that's saying something. So, um, man, I, I, I can only wish you the best because like you that's an awesome thing to be able to do. And it just proves how good of an athlete and how good of a player you are when you can actually do that. I do. I do want to ask you about Jim brought to my attention a video and it was a bat flip video. And we we're big about bat flips. We, we call out a bunch of, a bunch of guys for, you know, if they hit a home run or what are they going to do and they need to bat flip and everybody promises this bad, awesome bat flip, but I did see a bat flip from you and, and it was quite aggressive and, and kind of angry. Like, like what, what's going on? Is that your thing? Or is that just kind of, you, you don't really know how to bat flip and that's just how it ended up. I'll be honest. That was my first ever bat flip I've done. So I didn't, I was just trying to make it, you know, a little casual, but at the same time, make it a little aggressive at the same time. So I don't really know what was going through my head. I just thought that, you know, I'm just going to make this look, as cool as I possibly can. So, but, uh, All right. so, so with that, we're going to turn the conversation to Brady. Cause I got a question for you right out the gate, taking the bat flip to you. If a guy bat flips on you, like Braden did, 
what's happening to either him at the next at bat or just the next guy up to bat? What are you doing? Uh, he's probably getting one to the head. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Is it? Is it? It's not going to come in ninety-seven, right? You're going to take a little bit off, I hope. Eh, depends on how far he hit it. <laughs> I hear you. I love it. All right, so let's talk. You know, before we get into Lewisburg stuff, man, I know you not only your Arkansas commit, but that is your squad. You know, we've talked some some trash back and forth, and obviously they have been killing it. You know, man, talk to me about what you're seeing from them as a fan and somebody who knows the game of baseball. Um, well, at the beginning of the season, honestly, I didn't think we were going to be nearly as strong as we are. I didn't think we had the top-notch pitching that was going to be, you know, necessary to really make a run at that top spot and later in Omaha. But we've been getting really, honestly, until this last series with Auburn, better and better every single game we play. We haven't backed down. We fight really hard. So, I mean, most of our wins have been comebacks. So, it, they're definitely a fun team to watch. They're very energetic. I mean, they absolutely put the screws to Mississippi State. I did not see that coming. I mean, I thought they could win this series, but not the way they handled them. Yeah, we were on fire for that one. I think, you know, same thing with, you know, Lewisburg versus D.C. is going to be a big series. A lot of people are going to be there. High expectations for both teams, and we just wanted it more. Yeah, something that you may not know that your dad knows, and I had told him before that series even happened, you know, <laughs> as long as we've been doing this podcast, I've never been turned down by any athlete but one to come on and do this, and it happened to be Christian Franklin from Arkansas. And so there's a little salt on the wound because, as you know, during that Mississippi State series, I mean, dude, he went berserk. Like, I mean, it wasn't even just three bombs. He was hitting doubles, and, I mean, it was the way in which he was doing it. And he even had diving catches, like, I mean – the dude was insane. I was like, so the one guy who turns us down is going to show out against Mississippi State. What's up with that, man? I don't know. That was kind of cold-hearted. If I could have had a word with him, I would have uh, probably convinced him to come on here and show you all some love. Oh, man, we should have went to you first. Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> all right, for one more question, then we'll get we'll get to the Lewisburg stuff. Well, this is Lewisburg stuff, but we're going to talk about prom. I've seen a lot of photos on Facebook and Instagram you got swagger, but I gotta know, man. We're old cats. We we're not we're not up with what's new. What's up with that new look y'all got going, where the the pants are a little bit up and there's there's no socks? What's that game about? Oh, I, yeah, that wasn't even my idea in the first place. I was just gonna get traditional long pants, but um, the place where I went to go get my suit, the my pants were tight anyways, and the lady like pulled up pictures online of. I don't even know what they're called, but cut off at the angle and tight. And I thought I just thought it looked really good. So I was like, yeah, I'll rock that. I mean, the good news is you got that swagger. You got the flow in the hair. So, I mean, you would have been able to pull whatever it is. But then I started seeing pictures of, like, everybody, and apparently that's the new thing. Now, what, that wasn't in when, when we were in school. Daniel, we would have got rocked for something like that, wouldn't we? No, man. You, you got to have <laughs> pants over the shoes. It, it, it got to be looking, looking right, even though it – I see it all the time, man. Like the the style game has definitely changed. And like you, Jim, you know, you see Westbrook all the time. That's your boy. Like, <laughs> I, he, I, you know, I don't, I don't really like what he wears, though. I like the way he plays basketball. I don't like the way he dresses. No, but he'll be the first one to wear a, a capri pants suit. <laughs> and then everybody's wearing it. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, Brady, let's get into baseball, man. Let's start, um, you know, I was there for Jackson Prep game. I watched you pitch there. Um, 
there were moments where you were really in control, some moments where you weren't, but overall, really, really solid game. How did you feel about that performance? Walk me through it. Well, actually, when I was getting warm in the bullpen, I we we ended up leaving a little bit late from Lewisburg to go to DC's field. And so I was kind of rushing myself getting loose. I think I just I started throwing a little bit too hard, a little bit too early. And I did something to my arm, tweaked it somehow. So it was hurting for pretty much the whole game, just in my bicep. Um, but I did the most that I could, knowing that I wouldn't injure myself anymore, obviously. Um, but I, I'm kind of glad it happened, honestly. You know, you're never glad that you, you don't feel great, but it gave me a chance to really use my secondary pitches mm-hmm. and really get a feel for them before more important games started. But uh, I was pretty proud of my performance that game and really our our team's performance except for our one bad inning that we had. You know, I think I think if we take that whole game except for that one bad inning, we could – and play like that, we could beat pretty much any team around us. Yeah, no doubt. So you were talking about your off-speed stuff. I don't know what the exact numbers are because the the pitching coach for D.C. was up in the box uh, marking your pitches, and he had you at like 43 <laughs> off-speed pitches, but your dad said that some of those were cut fastballs that he might have been mistaken. But nevertheless, it seemed like, um, like you said, you were really – that curveball, man, it was filthy. They had, that was the pitch you had going that day. And I'm going to be honest with you, now that I've watched you numerous times in person – People could talk about the gas all day. That curveball, when you got it going, that's nice. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, but, no, I, the thing that I do, uh, I mix in a lot of sinkers on my fastball because it looks the same out of my hand. It's not that big of a speed difference, but it moves a lot more differently. My four seam will move more horizontal, and that sinker obviously sinks. It falls off the table more. So it's just a different look with a fastball. Um, and I know not a lot of people throw a true sinker. Like a bunch of people throw a two seam that'll run. Um, I think that's a place that I kind of stand out is with that pitch. Honestly, it's my favorite pitch to throw. Yeah, no doubt. So does Gray ever call any of the pitches or is that all coming from the coaching staff? Really, it depends. Most of the time, it's just me and Gray back and forth, what I feel like or what he feels like can get somebody out. But also, at the same time, if one of our coaches sees something in a dude's swing or has, like, a scouting report on him, then he'll call the pitches and better not shake off and get rocked because that would not be pretty. <laughs> I got you. Hey, that's your boy, too. You can light into him. He'll know you're still friends the next day. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the the D.C. games, man. Obviously, uh, you know, for those who don't know, you were absolutely rolling through three innings Um the sky opened up. It was the best thing that could have ever happened for D.C. because I don't know. You know, we talked about it before the the show started. Pretty confident you might have went the whole way and they might have not been able to do nothing with it. So, you know, talk to me about those three those three innings first and then we'll get into the, the next game. Yeah, well, my goal opening up that game obviously was to go the full thing. You know, it's our first district game and it's against our, one of our rivals. So, of course, I want to go the whole game, be in control the whole time. And – I kind of had a bad feeling about it whenever it started. And then it started raining. The very first time we pulled up, got pulled off the field, it was pouring on us. I was like, oh, man, they're about to cancel the whole game. And then it kind of let up for a minute. You know, we started taking the tarp back off. And then Thunder came in. And I was like, well, there goes my shot to pitch against D.C. Never throw against them again. 
Um, How long can the delay be before you can come back? Like, what's the max it can be, and then you can come back? I don't know if there are any rules on it, Um, but the most I was going to be comfortable with is probably, like, 30 to 40 minutes because I kept throwing during the whole thing, but I could slowly feel myself getting colder and colder and colder. And you don't want to throw max effort, get cold, throw max effort again. That's just spelling disaster. Um, but I'm honestly kind of happy that it did get delayed, honestly, uh, because it gave me a chance to relieve Braden, and Braden threw the crap out of the ball that that game. Uh, he threw really good, and it just gave me a chance to kind of close it out, which is always fun. You don't have to worry about going the distance, just get in there and shove. So that was really fun. So was it was it more fun to open that first game, or was it more fun to close that second game? Man, I don't know. Um, you were fired prob- from both, so I don't know. Probably the second game, just because it was the game to win the series, and we were at home. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. That's one of the most fun times I've had on a baseball field in a while. Yeah, no, it was fun and exciting to watch all. You know, we'll get to Braden's part, but like you said, you were able to – y'all together were able to put together a fantastic performance. You know, the other thing, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up, you know, you had the sack fly um, – to, to put y'all ahead in that game, you know, uh, what were you thinking approaching the plate when you had the man on third and you just needed one run at that time? Uh, well, I knew their infield was in, so I knew I had to hit a ball hard somewhere. And odds are it'll get to the infield if you hit it hard when they're playing in. But uh, the dude they had on the mound loft, and he's, he's a very, very good pitcher. So um, I knew I had to be on my best game. And he, he threw me a changeup that stayed just a little bit up. So I knew that was my chance. And I'm I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I'm glad I could be the dude that gets in that RBI for that that series. Yeah, no doubt. Well, speaking of good pitchers, you know, I did some research after I was told about it. I see tomorrow it doesn't get any easier for your team and and for you in a head-to-head matchup. You know, you got Tupelo at 16 and three with Hunter Elliott, who is an old Ole Miss commit just like Braden. You know, talk to me about your thinking going in tomorrow. I mean, are you just as fired up for this as you were DC? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is this is honestly going to be, I think, the make or break series for us to win district because Tupelo, us Tupelo, D.C., we're all pretty close. We're all neck, neck, and neck. Um, but, yeah, they got a dude on the mound tomorrow. Uh, Hunter, I've played with him for for a while this past summer just in, like, showcase events. I've played with him at the East Coast Pro and stuff like that. And he's he's a very good pitcher. We're definitely going to have to be keyed in. But you know, Lofton's a good pitcher. We we did pretty, we executed everything we needed to against him. So hopefully, we can just stick with our same approaches and get the same results. Well, obviously, because you bat, you have to think about the opposing pitcher. But let's just tell you that you didn't bat. You're just you're strictly pitching. Do you ever think about who's on the other mat or on the other side of the mound, or you just worry about yourself and you don't care who it is? Not really. You know, before the game, I think you worry about it more. But once your team gets in the box, they get comfortable with it. You really stop caring who's on the mound and you just you just go after them, you know, because you're going to do your thing regardless what the other pitcher does. So just try to put your team in the best position you can to win. Yeah, no doubt. So this will be the last one. And then we'll let, we'll let Daniel wrap with Braden some. 
you know, I talked to you before the season about expectations. The expectations are always high. But now that y'all have seen what you can do, y'all played, like I said, the Jackson preps, the D.C., um, you know, hopefully everything fares well against Tupelo tomorrow. I mean, do you now feel solidified that this team can actually make a run at a state title? Oh, absolutely. We've been playing really good baseball. Like we said, that uh, that game, too, we had against D.C. was – even though we didn't get a lot of hits, score a lot of runs, that was one of the most polished games we've played all year. So I think we're in a really good spot to make a, a pretty far run at this thing, especially if we end up do winning this series against Tupelo. There's no reason we couldn't go to state if we really wanted to. All right. So, Braden, some of the same questions, I just, you know, different perspective. Uh, Jackson Prep, you get a chance to play those guys. Talk me through what's going on in the game, how you played, and just the game in general. Uh, going into Jackson Prep, we knew that, you know, they were a really, really good team. They were ranked, you know, one or two in the state. They had an old miscommit and Riley Maddox throw in. <clears throat> but uh, what I really liked that we did the day of the game uh, before we let got on the bus, went to D.C., we set up the hack attack on Velo. And at first, everybody struggled. Nobody hit good. But as we kept going, people started making adjustments. And uh, then fast forward to the game, our approach was just hit the ball other way, keep the ball on the ground. And I'm, I'm sure – basically, we hit Velo for uh, – that whole practice, and um, we got out to the first inning. We put three on a really good pitcher. I'm pretty sure nobody, you know, just uh, expected us to do that. But, uh, you know, after that, um, Riley Maddox, really good pitcher, by the way, uh, he started mixing in a slider, and we had a little trouble with it. But at the same time, Brady was on the mound, you know, doing his thing, doing what he normally does, you know, keeping us ahead or keeping us in the ball game. And then uh, while he's pitching with, you know, his bicep, which showed me that he had tremendous amount of heart and he really wanted to win that game. But uh, when I came in relief, I knew that I had to keep us in this game. And uh, when Brady said we had that bad inning, we had a couple errors where uh, I'm just, I feel the same way he did if, we hadn't made those errors, we probably win that game. But at the same time, we were uh, – although we didn't – the outcome wasn't in our favor, we were proud of how we, you know, jumped on them that first inning and realized that if we can do that, you know, every game for the whole game, then there's not going to be a lot of people that can beat us. How how key is it to be able to score early when you know you got a guy like Brady on the mound? Oh, it's uh, – when you can score early and you got Brady on the mound, it's you feel like nothing in the world can stop y'all. Y'all feel, as a team, we feel like, uh, like they're. I mean, they're obviously not going to just light up Brady. They may yeah. scrap a few, one or two, but at the same time, like we're, you know, we feel good. We feel, you know, confident in in Brady and not him not giving up a bunch of runs. So. Yeah, I would imagine that when when you know you got Brady on the mound, you score early, especially score two or three runs. Like 
the pressure has to be off and you can kind of relax a little bit. And, you know, and, and what you're saying, maybe you guys were a little too relaxed in, in some, some cases, but it was a game you should have won nonetheless, but you, you then went into a series against DC, which, you know, for, for everyone that's listened to our podcast, we, there's, there's high praise and high accolades just from the history that DC baseball has. And, I would imagine there was some extra like motivation. You guys were extra fired up to play those guys. Oh yeah. Without it, like uh, I have nothing but respect for DC and, you know, I've grown up playing with a bunch of kids that go to DC. So, uh, and that just made us, you know, want to go out and beat them more. You know, they've always been the top dog of, you know, the County for however long they have been, but, you know, it just gave us more motivation, uh, Everybody was more focused at practice, focused on the game. Everybody contributed in that game, in the series. So it was a great uh, series for us, great team. Team wins for both of those games. And uh, we were very, you know, proud of how we played that whole series. So I got to hear it from the horse's mouth. You know, you guys probably should have swept that series and you didn't. You some say it was prom, some say it was lack of sleep, but what what was the problem? Was it a lack of focus or or did the better team really win that day? Oh, it was, I mean, when you go up against a team like that, it's hard to sleep. It's hard to beat a team like that three games in a row. And that day, uh, Bowman, their game three starter, he was the better pitcher that day. He found out how to beat us. He found out, you know, that if he could command a breaking ball in the dirt, and he guessed that we weren't going to be, you know, try to lay off of that that day. So uh, he just was the better pitcher that day. And uh, but we're not worried about that game. We're worried about uh, moving on to Tupelo now. So tell me about about Tupelo. Um, what are your what it, what is the what are you guys looking to gain out of this? Is it experience? Is it like you want to? win the game or you really want to just establish dominance on how good you guys really are? Uh, I mean, Tupelo is a great team. They have uh, one of my future teammates is going to be on that team. He's starting tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, we want to go out there and we we really just want to, you know, show people what we're all about. You know, uh, people, people will say that, you know, Tupelo is supposed to win. They're the better team. But it really all comes down to, you know, how – which team will execute more, which team will get the job done more. But uh, I think we're coming out, you know, we want to show people how we can really play. And uh, like Brady said, that game two of D.C. is the most polished game we've played this whole season. And I think if we go out like that and play that for three straight games, there ain't going to be a lot of people that can beat us. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. If you if you got Brady on the mound and he's got his his stuff going, and you guys don't give them anything, I would I would imagine you guys would be right there in the game. And then if you can squeeze one or two runs across the board, you're probably in pretty good shape. Um, regardless of the outcome of tomorrow's game against Tupelo, what are what are the expectations? Is this a a team that says, hey, we are going to win it all, we can win it all, or, you know, we're just trying to build for the future to give ourselves a chance, you know, maybe next year to, to win it all. What, what's the season outlook as far as the projection and, and progression for you guys for the rest of the year? 
Uh, ever since, you know, day one of practice, we've had one goal in our mind, and that's to win state. There's nothing nobody else on that team wants to do is other than win state. And uh, we have a bunch of people that can contribute to that. We are very deep on the mound. We can swing it. And, I mean, our defense, when it's on, is probably the best defense in the whole state, in my opinion. But uh, everybody's mindset is the same. Everybody wants to win state. We want to win it this year. Absolutely. So, Braden, talk to me about the the mindset. So I'm big on like the way people process like before the game and getting prepared for a game. So what is the mindset knowing that you're you're on the bump as opposed to you're in, in the field? Like what is that? Is there a difference or? Like, is it, t- tell me, like, cause I, I don't know, like I was a pitcher only. So like my mindset was strictly on preparation in the pen and being, a- being ready to go when I was called on. Um, but when you're in the field, like it's different. Like wh- what is that? What's that feeling like? What's the mental part of being prepared for both of those scenarios? Uh, I mean, they obviously have their differences and, like preparation, but at the same time, they all have the same goal is how can I help my team win this game? What can I do that will help my team be successful? And uh, when you're on the mound in a big district game, my number one thing is don't get caught up in the hype. You know, go about yourself how you normally would and, uh, you know, just go out there and help your team as much as you can. And then when you're in the field, it's the same thing. Don't get caught up in the hype. Uh, really, just go out there, play relax as you can. I know, like, the tensions are really high. You know, everybody's pumped up. Everybody's anxious. But at the same time, and my number one thing is uh, not trying to get caught up in the hype and not getting too anxious and, you know, too jumpy where I just can't even, like, stand still. But uh, at, the, in, in, at, at the end of the day, it's really just uh, they both – you know, you want to just go out there and just help your team win in any way you can, no matter what you're doing that day. Yeah, you want to compete no matter what what you're being asked to do. You want to compete, even if that's you're not playing in, in the game that day, then you are competing by keeping your team motivated and, and keeping people up. And, um, you know, I, I'm always interested into into that because we, we do have some guys that, you know, have – that are multi-sport or multi, you know, position athletes in, in certain sports. So I always wonder like, what's the mindset to prepare? Um, Brady, I'll ask you, you know, one, one quick little question. Cause I, I was just curious when you are in the pen and you're getting your, this is prior to the game, you're getting hot, you're getting ready to, to go out. Um, do you know whether you're going to have your best stuff or does do you feel the same every time you're in the pen? Every time in the pen is really different for me. Sometimes you can't find a pitch. Sometimes you can't find all your pitches. Um, honestly, a lot of the time, I know Brandon will back me up right out on this. Uh, if you're bad in the pen, a bunch of times you're good in the game for some whatever reason it is. But same time, when you're good in the pen, you also can carry that over to the game. Um, so I don't know what makes that happen, but Really, no matter how how you feel in the pen, you got to work on what what you do feel that day. Like if you don't feel your breaking ball, you're obviously gonna work on your other pitches and take that into the game. 
So, um, it's it's kind of difficult to answer, but but you know if you feel bad, there's there's still no reason you can't go out in the game and still have have your stuff be on because it's it's a lot different being on that game man than it is you know just getting loose in the pen. Absolutely. So, has there ever been a game where you go and you start? Let's let's say the first batter comes up and you're like, man, I got it. And then the second batter comes up and you're like, oh man, I really got it. And then the third batter comes up and you're like, man, all my stuff is working exactly the way I want it to. Like, have there been any games this year where you've had it all and it's all working exactly the way that you want it to? Uh, yeah, actually, I think game one against DC, everything was everything was really working how I wanted it to. You know, my fastball was lively. Um, all my off speed was working, but on the flip side, I've also had first innings that go south really, really quick. Like this summer, I pitched against the Scorpions. They're a really good team, and they put three runs on me early. They were hitting the ball. I was I walked like two people, and they were putting pressure on me. But also, I it all ends up being the same because you can either start really bad or really good and have all your stuff and make adjustments throughout the whole game to figure out, you know. Because every hitter is different, you find other ways to get them out throughout the whole game. So, but Braden. definitely during that DC game, I was feeling all my stuff for sure. Braden, when when Brady goes out there and he's he doesn't have all his stuff, do you get back in the dugout and you get in his grill and be like, dude, like get it together, man? Like what's going on, bro? Uh. Not really getting his grill, but I'm, you know, uh, I do ask him like, "Hey, man, like, what's wrong? Like, what, like, what's not, like, what aren't you feeling?" And then he'll tell me, and then I'll just try to provide the best, you know, advice I can. But uh, really, I know that he's gonna go back out there and compete as hard as he can, whether he has his stuff or not. Hey, Daniel, one of the things I wanted to tell you, since you know, I've got to see them both in person multiple times now. They are two completely different guys in the regards of their emotions on the mound. Brady shows none. Braden gets absolutely jacked. Hey, there's that's what makes it so great because not every player is exactly identical and you're not robotic going out there. There's emotion, but there's a different harnessing of emotions that, you know, you might be reserved or you might be a guy that gets fired up at the highest of, of times, or you might be a guy that gets fired up no matter what, or you might be a guy that just leads by example and, and kind of walks the walk, but doesn't really talk the talk too much. So, well, this will tell you everything, Daniel. I think I even have a video clip of it when Brayden scored actually the first run on that game, uh, that Tuesday game against DC. Everybody comes out of the dugout and celebrates except Brady. He walks out there and picks up the bat for the for the next batter and doesn't celebrate at all. Like, I mean, he was robotic. I mean, his dad talked about it. He said when he's focused on pitching, he's not doing anything but focus. He's already thinking about the next inning. There it is, man. There it is. Well, all right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna transition into a game, and we we've played the game with Brady, so I want to focus on playing the game with you, Braden. So the game is called this or that. It's very simple. I ask you a question, and you pick one option or the other. The only rules are you can't say both, and you can't say neither. You good to go? Let's do it. 
All right, since you guys just went to prom, I'm going to try to direct some of these questions to, to prom and, and kind of tell a story. So um, before you, you, you go to prom, are you asking your date to go through DMs or face-to-face? Nah, I'm, I'm definitely more of a face-to-face kind of guy. All right, so you, you, you ask, they say yes. Are you now calling the date or texting the date with details on where you're meeting beforehand, where you're taking the pictures, are you a call guy or a text guy? Uh, when it comes to, you know, giving details out, I'm, I'm probably more of a text guy just to make sure I, you know, said everything. Gotcha. So who is a, so, so now it's time to, to, you're at prom and like everybody's ready everybody's right the the song what's give me a song that, that that's 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 hopping right now for y'all <laughs> uh let me think of one uh the one song that brings everybody to the dance floor that his his welcome song <laughs> <laughs> uh probably you know any money bag song probably any right. money bag all right, let's say Moneybag comes on and like everybody's like, oh, Moneybag. Everybody rushes to the dance floor. All right, who's got better moves? Braden or Brady? Oh, me, 100%. Without a doubt. So you're going to clear the dance floor out and you're going to throw it down and, and you're going to just serve up some Brady Tiger right there in front of everybody. Oh yeah, without a doubt. All right, all right. So I gotta ask, and and I, I'm not gonna ask you who would win because that would just be silly. Because um, I know what your answer would be, but this year in the SEC, who wins the SEC? Old Miss, or I'll tell you what: who finishes better? Ole Miss and Arkansas or the field? Uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas. All right. So, so you say that. So what, what, as far as Ole Miss goes, what are some potential road bumps that you see along the way? Uh, for Ole Miss. I got two for you. One's name is Kumar Rocker, and the other one's name is Jack Leiter. So hey, they ain't they ain't faced the Rebels yet. They haven't faced oh, the Rebels. Oh, oh no! Come on now, I I know you're a fan, but look, we we just had other guys on here, and they had no problem admitting what those two guys got and how how nervous they were. They don't even play. So this this is what I'm gonna give you. You're. You're committed to Ole Miss and you're not on the field. So you probably, you've only seen them from maybe afar, but I'm going to tell you, Jack Leiter is the stuff. He is the real deal. And like those dudes are flat good. I'm not saying Ole Miss or Arkansas can't give them a run for their money because anybody can be beaten. But the, what I've seen from those, those guys, they are legit. So um, I, I, I mean, to be honest, I expect Ole Miss, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, all the, to be in a regional, um, have the opportunity to play in a super regional. And 
you know, who knows? Like there could easily be three teams from the SEC in the College World Series. But Daniel, um, let me let me ask you this before or let me ask Brady this before we move on too far. You know, I know this game's about Braden, but the fact that he said he had better dance moves than Brady, are we not even gonna give him a chance to defend himself? I mean, Brady, do you do you want to dispute that at all or is it true? Not really, it's probably true. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't even deny it. All right. Well, he said he wins the hair game, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd take the dub on that one. Oh, for sure. I mean, look at that. He's Braden's got the hat on. For those that that y'all can't see, Braden's got his hat on. He, he he's looking he's looking fly. Don't get me wrong. He's got the chain a little bit visible, so like he he's got some swag. But I'm gonna tell you what, Brady's got his headband on. He's got the the flow popping up over the top of it. He's got the green tank top on, showing the guns like. <laughs> like he, he he's ready he's ready so guys i i gotta ask you this final question and th- this is you know and I'll, I'll ask both of you since since we have the opportunity because this is a staple question for this show it'll tell us everything we need to know about y'all brayden i'll start with you if you had to choose one or the other money or friends what are you choosing oh friends without a doubt I had a feeling you were going to say that, and I already know what Brady's going to say. Brady, money or friends? Well, money, because if you have money, you're going to have friends. No, I'm just playing. Definitely, definitely friends. Daniel, you need to rephrase it for these guys. Look, to make it harder, because you rephrased it. I can't remember which guest you did, but you changed the scenario from money to to whatever their sport was in fame. So you need to ask Braden, would he rather have the MLB or his friends? Well, that would be silly because, I mean, I think he would pick MLB. Like, that's the dream. The My friends ain't my dream. <laughs> they just, they're just not. Well, hey, he might love his friends that much. He might say, you know what, man, my boys are my boys. No, no new friends. And <laughs> as, as Randy would say, if – if Jim and I, if he had enough money, Jim and I would have been replaced a long time ago. He, he, he wouldn't. Daniel, I won't replace you for nothing, bro. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I'll never have enough money to replace any of my friends. So I just hope that they get some money and maybe I get lucky and they buy me out. <laughs> so guys, hey, I'm going to let y'all bounce. I know you got a big, big game tomorrow and I, I don't know. Do high, the the high school guys? Do you guys go to bed early or y'all stay up late? What what what's the deal? Like, what do y'all do, Braden? Uh, well, night before district game, it's always hard to sleep. So. Brady Brady said he's he's ready. He's ready to go night night. Oh, absolutely, man. Sometimes I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes before big game like that, still when you're on the bump. I'll be waking up at like seven in the morning. I just can't go back to sleep. I'm just already envisioning the game in my head. I'm just so ready for it. I'm already ready for it. So um, do you not even like focus during school? Like it's baseball all day, no matter what class. You're it, it's baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Me and Braden have the same exact class. We both explain to our teacher. We're like, listen up today, district today. All right, we're going to be out. And they, they say, here's this test, brah. <laughs> yep. Now, hey guys, um, Braden, I'll start with you. Anything you want to plug? Social media, you know, where people can can follow you and find you. Uh, Instagram is at Bray Sanders, and Twitter is uh, 
B. Sanders, 3-4-3-4. All right, Brady, what about you? Anything you want to plug or promote? Um, Not really anything except for Ed. Ed's the man. That's all I got to say. Ed is the man. But the Absolutely. question is, can y'all promote this episode well enough to beat it? That's the only question I got. Because Cam, Cam was close, and then Ed is now pulled away. I need to know if somebody can actually knock Ed off the top. It'll 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 be interesting. I, I five hundred is 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 a, a astronomical number in in the podcast game. So. Ed's Ed's at seven like seventy five last I look. Like Cameron James is at like five twenty something. I don't know. But I will say this: every time we've had a discussion about this year about DC or Lewisburg, I have been on record saying Lewisburg is gonna gonna take it down. So I have all the faith in you guys to promote this and put it over and 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 hit five hundred plus. So. Guys, I'm going to let you bounce. I want to thank you guys and welcome y'all back onto the show. Uh, hopefully, you know, we'll get to talk about a state championship and and, and college life uh, coming up for you guys, or who knows, maybe even professional life. We'll, we'll see. But um, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to plug some sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk headlines. All right. Tell me when. I already did it. Go. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got headlines for you. And Jim, we're going to start with some NCAA tournament action. We had the final four, which set up tonight's championship game. And, you know, it, if we really talk about it, I mean, really, there's only one game in the final four to talk about, and that's Gonzaga and UCLA, because I don't think Houston even – they seem to show up late to the game because they, they did outscore Baylor in the second half of the game, but they they didn't they didn't show up for the first half and they were getting blown out. So, you know, I'll, I'll ask you this. What do you take away from that Baylor-Houston game? Was it Houston not as good as we thought they were or Baylor just being that much better than everybody? I think it's about Baylor being that much better. We have we saw Houston all year, obviously, in conference, and then we saw them in this run through the tournament, and we know their defense was legit. But the problem was we always knew that Baylor had a legit defense too, but they had a lot more firepower on offense. And, you know, like you said, in the first half, they just overwhelmed them, and it was, it was too much of a deficit for Houston to climb out of. So I don't think it's a knock on Houston. I think Baylor's just that good. And, you know, we, we talked about it. You literally said last week, that there will be a lot of upsets in the tournament. But you said when you get down to the final few teams, the best are usually there. And Baylor and Gonzaga were the best all year. So it's not a surprise at all. No. And, you know, when I when I was kind of going over the Houston-Baylor game, it just looked like Houston couldn't get going. And e even though they outscored them in the second half, it, they were – they still didn't look like a polished team like they had in the previous three or four games. Um, and even against Memphis, and, and I don't know if this was just Houston not being, you know, very good on those days or Memphis playing defense that well, but they didn't seem like a, a, a really like legit threat to make a run. Um, and maybe that's me just being naive to how good Houston is. 
Um, but it was it was definitely glaring to see the length difference and just just the the talent level. I believe I guess is the only way to put it. Like Houston's very talented, but I think Baylor is 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 a tier above them. Um, and then that brought us into the the night game against uh, UCLA and Gonzaga, and that was a classic, Jim. I mean, I I, I couldn't. I don't know if there was a better game in the tournament than that one. No, absolutely not. And I texted you guys in real time and I said, the problem with that game being that good was the championship could never live up to that game. You know, you talked about it. It went back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, it's a lot of heartbreak. But at the same time, when I see the videos it of fans, it really shows how fast it happened, right? Like you hate seeing fans have their heart broke like that. You really hate it for the players on the court for UCLA. But watching within three seconds, basically, fans and players have this overwhelming emotion because you tied the game and then Gonzaga just break their hearts. Um, it, it was exciting. It's it's everything you want in a basketball game, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, and that, that leads us into the championship game. Gonzaga taking on Baylor and, you know, a lot of brackets, you know, I would say the majority of the brackets had one of these two teams either winning at all. Um, Probably both of them and and the majority of the final fours and probably a bunch of them in the championship game. But, you know, watching Baylor just dominate Houston and then watching Gonzaga have a really close game against UCLA, I kind of started putting the idea in everyone's mind that you know Baylor could actually win this game and like for every indication right now they're up 16 with about 15 or I'm sorry 12 minutes left to go and when you think about that score and how much time's left like if there's a team that's going to come back and and give themselves a chance is this this Gonzaga team it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I know they're that good, but here's the stat for you, Daniel. I was trying to figure out because Baylor was shooting at a less percentage for the game, and they're up 16, right? And I was looking at turnovers, and there wasn't some wide turnover. Margin, so I said, what's the disparity? And here it is, man. This will tell you everything. Gonzaga is one for eight from three-point land. It's not like that's – I mean, that's not good, but, like, that's not some staggering thing. But flip side, Baylor 10 for 18 – 56%. That will do it, my friend. That's it. I mean, they get they got 30 points from from the three-point line just like that and you know, you add some free throws in and boom, there, there you go. You you're you're getting a lead that that's almost insurmountable, especially with the amount of time that's left in the game. So, uh we'll see if Gonzaga has a late late charge but i mean it looks like baylor may just hang on and and i don't i wouldn't call it shocking the world because i i i do believe these were the two best teams all year and it's a shame that we didn't get a chance to see them earlier in the year but i mean it's baylor's flat good and i think they're they're earning a little respect tonight what do you think yeah no i mean a team that's 27 and 2 to say that like that's you know any kind of an upset I don't care what the spread may or may not have been before the game this this team was the second best team and right there with them um played obviously a much harder conference so you know that prepared them and then you know 
the way they, like you said, the way they dominate Houston. And that's another thing you got to wonder with Gonzaga, right? They only played two days ago. You got to wonder if they used up everything they had, you know, in that game against UCLA because we talked about it. I mean, that game, that game was everything. It went to overtime. And, you know, sometimes you could, you could spend it all. I would, I will say this, you know, we talked about Suggs before the show and, to me, he's a higher prospect than Cade Cunningham, even though that's uh, not a popular opinion. If this dude can will his team back, you know, put them on his back this game, that would definitely solidify that statement. So before we before we move on, let me ask you this. Is, is UCLA better than what we thought, or is Gonzaga not as good as we thought? I think UCLA is better because – you know, I like to give people credit when it's due. And there were people saying that UCLA shouldn't have even been in a play-in game and that they possibly were underseeded. And then they ended up playing the way they did. And then when you look at the conference as a whole, Pac-12, you know, how many teams they got to the Elite Eight, and they were all, you know, double-digit high seeds. You know, it feels like maybe that conference and that UCLA team was just not given enough respect. I think Gonzaga is every bit as good, and people are going to say they didn't play in a hard conference and blah, blah, blah. Dude, they played who's in front of them. They did what they did. We know their coach. We know the caliber of players they got. I think Gonzaga's good. I think Baylor's just probably got more fuel in the tank and just might just outright be the better team. And the there's one – little caveat that I think we gotta we gotta bring up is that when you play in these types of tournaments regardless of seed coaching matters especially in basketball coaching matters and when you say well you got Mark Few you got Scott Drew and you got Mick Cronin you got Kelvin Sampson like I think everybody in college basketball could say, yeah, those are four of the best coaches in college basketball. And there, there's no, there's no surprise that they are able to bring their teams to the final four. And I, I bet people assumed that Baylor could be there and Gonzaga, but I, I would also make the assumption that most people didn't think UCLA or Houston had a chance to to be there and they were and I, I can only you know contribute that to you know coaches having players play to high levels and believe and putting them the, their players in positions to succeed so we'll see how the rest of this championship game goes um Baylor's still holding strong so we'll, we'll see how it finishes and next hey. week we'll be talking about a, a, a new national champion if, if Baylor does, in fact, win, shout out to Daddy Ball for bringing home the, the tournament bracket challenge. Yeah, he uh, he misspelled his name and couldn't figure out how to change it. And I said, it would just be your luck that you would do that and win it all. And <laughs> here, here we are. But uh, let's talk. Hey, let's talk baseball, man. MLB op- opening weekend, saw some teams play, saw some a couple teams not play. But um, really the big thing that I, I wanted to hit on was just were there – are there any surprises in the standings? Is anybody playing, you know, after this first weekend where you're like, oh, these, these guys might be pretty good and I, I didn't know it? Or is there anybody that we were like, man, we thought they were going to be good and they're not – they might be in trouble? Uh, yeah, before I get right into that, I do want to say what my favorite moment right out the gate was because, you know, I had heard the report on the radio that there's going to be snow up north 
you know, after baseball started. And for one of the first games to be that Detroit game and for Miggy to hit that bomb and the blizzard and not even know that it went out, stops the second base. Oh, it was the best clip, dude. It's snowing so bad he doesn't even know he hit a home run. I mean, oh, that's, that's how you start the season right there. It's impressive that you can pick the baseball up and do that and, and the snow, and it's 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 even more impressive to be able to launch a ball that far in the cold like that. So. Yeah, but as far as surprises, um, just right off the top, the first one that hits me is uh, Atlanta coming out and getting swept um, by Philly. You know, I, we know that, you know, that was your dark horse team last year, and we know that their capabilities, I still wouldn't come, pick them to come out and take care of Atlanta like that. Um, not a surprise, but probably the most frustrating for both of us is Houston, right? Um, we want them to suck so bad, and they refuse to. <laughs> um LA's doing their thing, right? The Angels, the team that I want to do under our team. Um, Otani, man. You've been seeing all the clips. Yeah, man. The the home run and the him just I, I'm blown away. Like it's something that I don't I don't know if we'll ever see that again in our lifetime. He's got the hardest hit ball and he's on the hardest pitch. It's crazy. He's legit, man. He, and then, and then he almost gets taken out by a play at the plate. <laughs> um, another team I was looking at in the standings, uh, staying in that same division, um, you know, Oakland is winless. But I tell you, we did the research last year when we did the predictions, and they, they kind of went against the grain. But I had told you prior to what they did in that, that COVID short season, Oakland has always historically for, like, years now been a slow starter. So I'm not going to look too much into that. My question for you would be, um, because you told me you went to tune into it, the postponement of the the national series you know um do you think just like last year it's going to be really common or you think um just might have been kind of a fluke out the gate uh i think early on you you might see more of not so many guys testing positive but maybe some contact tracing and and having to cancel games or postpone them what I don't see happening is is if you can, I don't I don't see there being a lot of games just completely being wiped away because of the fact that we're having these huge outbreaks. I mean, I I would imagine that at some point, like vaccines are going to be available, and I would probably say that you know a lot of these guys, and I I don't know this for a fact, but I just make the assumption that a lot of these guys that have families and want to be able to travel back and forth and hang out with their families are going to get vaccinated so that this, this whole testing process, they don't have to do that. Well, have they incentivized it for baseball like they have in the NBA? I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything yet. I do know like there was a, a talk that uh, some teams were not going to make a, a bid to get their people vaccinated early because they wanted the general public to have the same opportunity to get vaccinated. So, I mean, there's that, but also like, it really depends on like the state that you live in, like Florida is basically everybody can almost get vaccinated from age 18 and, and, and over, but you know, a state like, you know, California may not be there yet. So like how, 
how does that work if 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 all the Texas Rangers, you know, have the opportunity and let's say they get it, but the the Angels only two people can get it. Like that's there's some disparity there. So I I think incentivizing is tough when the availability to do so isn't isn't there. Right. Speaking of Texas Rangers, did you see that packed out Globe Life field? I didn't see it. I heard about it on the radio and. I mean, it is what it is. Like, if in in today's world, if you say like these are the rules, and people are gonna do what you say they can do, like, well, well, here's my thing, Daniel, and I don't want we weren't planning on talking about COVID, but here'd be my thing, right? So they said they're for opening day, they're allowing full attendance, but then they're gonna do, you know, spacing thereafter. If you're going to do it on an opening day, what's the point after you might as well rock it. And in the same regard, I'm going to talk to you. Like when I went to Starkville to the game in Mississippi state, you had to have the mask on when you walked in the park and then you're supposed to keep it on when you're in, but nobody had it on. So like to me, whether we're talking about the Rangers or we're talking about Mississippi state, like it doesn't make sense, man. Just roll one way or the other. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with, I think there's a lot of factors that go into the decision to either open the stadium up in full or not. And I think Texas, because the rules say they could, they probably were like, Hey, this is the first time we're able to open up our stadium. Let's do it because it's very, it it could easily not, we, we could easily not be given the opportunity again. Um, but I will say like, it doesn't, unless they expect there to be some type of outbreak and they say, well, we opened it up, we're expecting people to get sick. So now we're going to decrease the attendance after, after the opening game. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning or what the rationalization is for doing that. Other than I think it was, Hey, we probably have the opportunity to make a lot of money. And we may not be given this opportunity frequently, or again, there may be some mandates that come out preventing us from doing that. So we need to take advantage of that right now. So from a business sense, I can understand why you would do it, but from a health perspective, I don't see the benefit in doing it. So from a business sense, I'm going to tell you right now, Globe Life is going to get my money in the future because one, I wanted to be in that park in general, but they returned my money for my tickets when I got snowed in during the snowstorm. So um, I'm all about their business because they took care of me. So you'll catch me in that field at some point. Don't know when, but we'll see. But hey, I wanted to ask you, man, you know, you asked me the questions, you know, one, what was the best thing you saw? And then also wanted to ask you about the the scuff up in with St. Louis and Cincinnati. So I, I had a chance to to follow the games and see the progression of what happened. And there there's nothing that I saw that says what happened was warranted. So and, and here's what I'll say about that is that it wasn't warranted in the way that it went down. Like Castellanos, I don't know what that guy's thinking if he does that and doesn't expect something to happen. All right, so 
when you got uh, when you got a veteran heavy team with guys like Wainwright and and Yachty on your team and you do what you do like you got to expect something to happen so he gets hit so then he comes to home plate and he wants to bow up over the top of the pitcher like it's one thing to jaw jack like at a guy and be face to face, eye to eye with him. It's another to be standing over the top of somebody and do that. And I, I think that's the whole the whole thing is that Yachty ain't gonna stand for that. Arnado definitely wasn't standing for that. So like, I didn't like it. I understand it, but I didn't like it. And probably a part of me not liking it is because it was against my team. So. Um, but I hope like this sparks some of this rivalry to come back and continue. Cause oh, like, you remember I, some I like of the it. best brawls were between St. Louis and Cincinnati. I was at one of the games where I literally watched Chris Carpenter get thrown up into the net, like right in front of me. And like, I thought like it was going to get even wilder than it was. Like, I mean, I started seeing fist throw. So yeah, that Cincinnati St. Louis rivalry has been pretty intense at times. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. So I'm going to, I'm going to mark my calendar for their, the next series they have, because I, I, I guarantee you it's going to be a televised series. Watch you'll, you'll see. Um, I mean, especially if, if Cincinnati continues to play the type of baseball that they're playing, because they're playing really well right now. Um, Cardinals are our middle of the pack, the Dodgers and the, and the Padres are exactly where we thought they would be. Um, there's the Phillies three and O just, just, sweeping folks and oh four no they they took another one so i mean there's a team the royals are are up there like we're talking about teams that were a year ago in last place in their division and, and possibly a couple of the worst teams in baseball have maybe figured it out this this first half of the season i mean i know we're one series in but i mean like you you're probably going to get the best and and the animos animosities towards one another and the energy and the juice this this first opening series so there's the blue jays right there that that's a team that I, I i told you scary could be scary good and then the astros doing what the astros do man like i i just let me ask you a question this isn't they didn't cheat on this, this particular incident what do you? I mean, I I, I want to commend him because it was awesome, but I I can't stand him. Altuve tagging and going home on a, a fly ball that barely touched the grass. Did you see that? Yeah, I, Dude, that's guts I, and it works. Well, but that's that is like when you take away everything like that surrounds all the negative things that surround Houston. Like the positive things are things like that, like guys like playing really hard. Like those guys play really hard. Like they get after it. They take chances. They 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 get their 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 jerseys dirty, man. They're not afraid to do that. Um, so like when you when you tell me things or when I see things like that happening, like I don't like that doesn't surprise me from those guys. They they do know how to play hard and they will play hard and get after it, but. Um, it's just everything else that surrounds them. It kind of clouds all that positive, like, like grind mentality that they have. Yeah. Especially him. I think Altuve was one of the most light guys prior to that whole thing. Right. He was the little guy with a chip on his shoulder. 
Yeah, and now every every time I see him, I want to punch him. <laughs> hey, that's the one guy I'm punching because I think I could win that one all day. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, transi- transitioning from the, the major league to the college game, um, talk to me, Jim, about SEC play. We had another another weekend of SEC play. Some guys separate themselves. Did we? What are we looking at here? All right, so we'll start. We'll work from around the sixth seed. We're not going to go through the whole conference to take forever. Um, Tennessee, man, moving on up, taking the series from Alabama. We had those guys on. You know, some people have said that maybe they're overachieving, but Daniel, at what point do you say, hey? This team is legit, right? You know, they, they've taken care of business all three series in the SEC now where there is no slouch and uh, find themselves ranked sixth. I don't, you know, I don't think they're a joke anymore. And I think people need to start putting some respect. Yeah, they sit in the east with Vanderbilt. But, I mean, right now, don't don't sleep on Tennessee. I happen to be in Starkville for Mississippi State against Kentucky. Um it, it kind of got a little close on Saturday, but they took care of business. They got sweep. Um, State continues to roll. Our man Hatcher, he's kind of in a struggle. I got to talk to him personally, man. Um, told him one of the cool things, you know, people like to say negative things. We talk about how a lot of, you know, couch potatoes or Twitter fingers talk, try to talk bad about some money. I happened to be in a section that had a lot of people around me, Daniel, and he had maybe outside of the, the home runs, the best hit ball all day and got robbed. And this is a guy who's, you know, been on the struggle bus. And you could tell he thought it was a hit. Everybody in the section thought it was a hit. And he didn't. And you heard people just saying, man, feel bad for the kid or bless his heart or, you know, man, I, I really just want to see him get off of it. And I told him that. I said, man, dude, people are behind you. Like there wasn't anybody saying take him out of, you know, take him out of the lineup. He's not getting it done. This is a guy who's gotten to Omaha twice with them. So, um, big support system. Just really hope Hatcher turns it around. But the team as a whole seems to be getting on track. Our boy Kate Smith from D.C. is supposedly possibly going to get to pitch tomorrow. He has not pitched at all this year. He's been on the DL. So um, hope to see that. Ole Miss, um, man, took took some took some lumps from Florida. I'm really surprised they stayed in the three spot in the top five. Um, but I told you they're pitching. Um, Nikhazy looked good. Hey, we had Nikhazy on right um absolutely dealing they won that game in the series so uh he came back from injury uh arkansas survived a scare from auburn and then vandy bro we i mean beating a dead horse with vandy man like they're they're establishing that they are the best team in the country and they're establishing like when you you have the two best arms in college baseball like it's hard to beat you it's hard to win a series against you when you know that the likelihood of you losing your first two games in any series is, is pretty high. Like that's, that's tough. And especially with the way that lighters pitching right now, like he is phenomenal. He's lights out. Like he's got movement. He's got bite. He's, he's got it all. He's not going to overpower you with, with, with velocity, but he is going to change your eye level, move you in and out off the plate. He's going to hit two, three balls off the plate, two, three balls up in the zone. He's going to, he's going to make you get out of what you do best. And I mean, that's just the the best way to, to describe it because the guy is flat, flat dealing right and now. They're, 
And they're putting up runs, too. It's not like they're winning these games one nothing behind those arms, right? So, I mean, Mandy's super scary. I look forward to the Vanderbilt-Arkansas series. I'll tell you this because, we, you know, I'm an LSU guy at heart, you know, been rooting for State this year. Uh, those guys, man, just – they got dealt – the schedule's not easy no matter what, but their SEC schedule to start. They're one and eight, but, I mean, you got all the big boys first. So, they've got to somehow mentally – regain themselves and go into these series that are much more uh, winnable and, and right to ship, but they're not even in the top 25 as expected. And um, man, they're, they're in a, a rough spot. And then Florida who, you know, we don't root for They're they're middle of the pack. They might've been overrated to start the year. Their pitching isn't what it is, but the, the SEC, as we've talked about every week, it's, there isn't going to be a bad week, man. There's always going to be at least one or two matchups where you got legit contenders and um, I'm here for it. Yeah, I think what what needs to happen is we need to put a little bit of focus on South Carolina because I, I, according, I mean, looking at standings, like they're right there, they're they're pretty good, but they're kind of outside of all the teams that we talk about. I don't know if it's because that they're not represented on the podcast or if they they are indeed a tier below all these other teams I'm that, that trying we've been to think who about. swept them the opening SEC weekend, and I think. Um, that opening start of getting swept made people kind of forget that they were good because going into that, um, well, I mean, it were, was, it was, well, it wasn't Vanderbilt. They Vanderbilt beat them two of three. They swept Florida. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Did they not get, well, some, maybe it wasn't an SEC team. So I feel like somebody rolled Texas, Texas beat them three games in a row. Beat them. Gotcha. Which Texas is ranked four. So, um, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna lose somebody outside the SEC, that is the highest ranked non-SEC team. So I think maybe that's what happened because they were ranked where they are now prior to that getting swept. Yeah, I mean they they got they got uh Missouri this this weekend. The following weekend they got LSU and then they got Arkansas. So uh, once they hit that series, you're looking at Arkansas. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Tennessee to end the season. So like they they're they got another weekend of of probably being able to to win the series, maybe two with LSU and Missouri, but I mean at the end of April, like when you got the number 2 team in the country, the number 3 team in the country, the number 5 team in the country, the number 6 team in the country, like that's a that's a tough road to hoe. <laughs> But if they manage that, like, I, I think that speaks to where they should be at. Like, they should be near the top. So, yeah, no doubt. Let me ask you this in regards to Texas, right? I watched them, you know, get worked all three games in Arlington against SEC teams. Um, and then they're up there in the ranking. Do you think that has to do with the fact that they're not maybe up as a caliber as the SEC? Or do you think? don't take too much stock into the opening three games of a season. Um, I don't think you take a whole lot of stock in the first three games of the season. I think now is when you start because at this point, rotations begin to be solidified. Guys are starting to find their spot in lineups. Uh, solid like rotations of guys are starting to happen and you know, winning or losing games will will mean more, in my opinion, for long-term success or long-term unsuccess. 
Um, so when you, when you look at teams now, if they start winning now, that means they're starting to figure it out and you could probably expect them to start winning more and more games throughout the season. If you got teams that are starting to fall apart or haven't figured it out by now, like I don't, I don't foresee them just all of a sudden piecing it together and figuring it out. Well, Hey, before we get off here, I just want to want to bring to your attention WrestleMania. It's been a, a quite the year i had tickets last year to it it got canceled now it's rescheduled it got rescheduled in la but then they changed it to back to tampa so now i have tickets to it so i'm fully vaccinated i'm in attendance i got two nights of wrestlemania saturday and sunday and i'm jacked dude so you gonna make it to the podcast monday I will be here on the podcast, ready to go. I'll give you guys the full rundown of all the matches. Will you have a voice left? I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, you guys might have to might have to take over for the night, but I think I'll be all right. I'll be fine. What is uh? So for those, including myself, that don't maybe know what the big headline is for WrestleMania. What is the thing that you're looking forward to most and what is the headline match? And they may be the same thing. All right. So with night one, so I, I, I'm looking forward to it all. So, um, and I, I just, I don't know, it just brings out the kid in me, but there's two things to look for. So you've got the championship match with Bobby Lashley and, and Drew McIntyre. So, Bobby Lashley is a champion. He's a former Bellator fighter, now turned WWE champion. Uh, my hope is that he wins and Brock Lesnar comes back, and then it becomes a Bobby Lashley-Brock Lesnar feud. That would be awesome. Um, the other thing to look for is you might have two women, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Sasha Banks is now one of the stars she's the she's the current women's champion in w in wwe and she's taken on bianca belair so sasha banks is more of the like she's got a role in the mandalorian she's one of like the 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 stars in the mandalorian moving forward and then bianca belair is like the mr perfect of women like Oh man, you just sold me with that, bro. Like she does all these promos about how she's the EST, which she's the best. She's the the fastest, the strongest, the smartest. She's the best. So she puts the EST in everything. That's her her moniker. I'm a fan now already. Yeah. So like as far as athleticism and stuff, like she's she's hands down the most athletic on the roster. Um you're looking at, at, you know, Shane McMahon getting back in the rings in, in the ring with the, a steel cage match. So that, that'll be a, you know, fun stuff, but that's night one night two. You, you get, uh, if you're not, a a wrestling guy, like you got Roman Reigns, who's the champ. He's taken on an, a triple threat edge first Daniel Bryan and edge was a guy that wrestled probably when you, when you watch wrestling, but now he's back and he's ready to. Who do you want to win that match? Oh man. It's Roman reigns. He's, he's a bad guy. He's a heel now. And he's doing such a good job as a heel. Like I would like, you mean to tell me the dude that sings a little teacup on TV is a bad guy. He is a bad guy, bro. Um, and like edge has always been one of my favorites in, 
and Annabella is now doing the Daniel Bryan yes chance whenever he comes on. So it's hard. I, that's that's a match. Like I think Roman Reigns will inevitably win, but if Edge won, that'd be a cool like kind of like here's your last hurrah. Like here you go, enjoy it. Um, but really, the match that I'm looking forward to the most is there's there's a, a character called the Fiend. Version Randy Orton. So, like, if you don't know anything about the Fiend, there's this whole that's, like that's Mike action. Real. That's Mike Real's top guy. Oh yeah, he he he's legit. He's turned into this like, like it's one. It, it was a character that kind of just like took on a life of his own, and now he's like, it's pretty awesome. Like, if you get the opportunity, like I'm looking forward to his entrance because it's gonna be it's gonna be off the chain. So. I'll have some videos, some pictures to show you guys from the weekend, but like it'll, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good, something, you know, I've been looking forward to. So, yeah. That's what's up, man. Hey, it's, I can appreciate it more now than ever since, I mean, I've been going to, you know, small shows and enjoyed it. So I can only imagine what something of that magnitude would be like. Yeah, so like if you get on Peacock Premium, you can get it for two ninety nine right now, and you can you can watch WrestleMania this weekend. Check it out. I heard that. All right, man. Last calls. Anything that we missed? Yeah, the women's NCAA tournament. I just want to bring up that that girl was being triple teamed for Arizona, and had a wide open girl slashed the lane and she chose to shoot it instead so i don't feel bad for them because the play was there i have a couple questions for you in regards to that play so first was the girl who shot the ball the best player man i don't know enough to know but i know that she had the ball in her hands on the final shot and the it was called up so i assume yes and so now I ask you this, and and it's we we actually saw this happen. It's it's easy to say that Jalen Suggs is probably the one of the best, if not the best player in college basketball, right? Mm-hmm. If he does the same thing, are we mad about it? Yeah, I'm mad at about it, no matter who it is. Because fair look, enough. No, fair look, enough. Here, let me give you an example why. LeBron James takes a lot of criticism because he will make the smartest and best play and choose not to be the man in crunch times. And I think it's the dumbest thing ever that he gets criticized for. And you know me, I'm not a LeBron guy, but I've watched him in situations on a double team when the game on the line, find the wide open guy and they've made the shot. And to me, that's going to always be the right play. And in this specific case it ended up being two girls coming to her and then a third girl collapsed and it wasn't like she was smothered to where she couldn't see she was able to get a shot off clean she could have easily made this pass and i just felt like maybe the moment got the best of her yeah i mean but it's it's also a hard position to be in it's hard to coach in the moment it's hard to like see the whole like the last thing that you want to do is to make a pass and turn the ball over when you have full possession of the ball. So, um, but yeah, no, I, no, never... not a big deal. I just only brought it up because so many people were like, 
oh man, tough break, or you know, feel bad for the girl. And I mean, you do feel bad for anybody who lost when they got to that point. But man, you watch that play a hundred times over, and it's like pass the ball. And like you said, it's hindsight, and I'm I'm watching. I'm not playing, but I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. Well, I'm I'm sure she'll probably watch the footage back of that play and go, man, like that girl was wide open. Like why? why didn't I pass it? And she may not have seen it. Like the moment, that moment is a, a big moment, like the, the biggest moment that you could be in really. Um, and she chose to take the shot. Now, if she, if she was to hit that shot, what would people have said? Would they be saying? Oh yeah. No, be pass? yeah right. no, if you so, make it, you say winning, winning cures everything. Hey, before you tell me what we've missed from your end, um, let's give a shout out to pops, man, for, cause Baylor took it. You got to give your dad his props. We hated on him for misspelling his name, but in the end he won. There you go. So, yeah, I mean that, that, that's the one thing that, that I was going to bring up. Cause I had a feeling that the way the game was going, we were going to be able to break that here. Um, you know, shout out to Baylor, uh, national champions and a, in a year that they probably should have been national champions last year, because I believe they were, they were the best team in college basketball last year before things got shut down. So, uh, you know, the same with Gonzaga, another team that on the brink and like now that the, the North Carolina job has been fueled by Hubert Davis, I think Mark few stays. If he stays, how many others decide to stay? And that, that'll be an answer that we get over the next few weeks. But I have a feeling that that Gonzaga will, will if Mark Few is, is continues to be the coach, they're, they're not going to have any problem picking up where they left off. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But they are going to lose some talent, that too. Oh. Well, Suggs is going to go get paid, so that there's no doubt. Um, the other guys, I, I don't know. I, you hear so much about Suggs. I mean, you, you got – you got uh, the other two guys. I yeah, from what that, I hear, three of them are NBA ready. Well, hey, they then they might be on their way out too. Who knows? But it'll be interesting year. There's a lot of transfers, a lot of things that are happening, and it's going to be like the wild, wild west as, as far as what some people are saying with this whole transfer situation for college sports. But, man, let's get out of here. We had a, we had a great episode. I want to thank our guests, Braden Sanders and Brady Tigert, for joining us. And if you like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We're going to see everyone next week for Episode 3, where we're going to get into SEC Conference play with Ole Miss baseball star Hayden Leatherwood. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.